Nathan held up his hand and waved to the barmaid. There was no response, so he lifted his head off the sticky bar and looked around, spotting a half-orc woman nearby in a leather apron. Hey, uh, another double, please. Don't spare the ice. Spare the double. No, spare the ice. Don't. Another double, please. He mumbled, sliding the glass in his hand towards the woman before resting his head back on the bar. The woman said something, but Nathan didn't really hear her. The bar was vibrating against his forehead. The smell of stale booze and sawdust filled his nose. He was sitting at the bar in the groping gnome. It was a dingy place, once reserved for sailors, but there weren't any sailors from Tarthage anymore. The woman behind the bar hadn't moved and was still talking. Reluctantly, Nathan peeled his face off the dank wood once more and looked in her direction. He could barely keep his eyes on her as the room swam around him and shifted underfoot. He reached into his coat and pulled out another two gold pieces, sliding them towards her. But the woman didn't accept them. Instead, bringing her hand down quickly, she sent the gold flying across the room. She was gesturing to Nathan, and then over his shoulder, and then back at Nathan. His ears were ringing, and his head hurt, his nose especially. As the barmaid gestured to him, Nathan looked down and tasted blood. It was pouring from his nose and down the front of his now ruby-stained shirt. He looked up at the barkeep and then turned round on his seat to look over his shoulder, losing his balance and tumbling to the floor in the process. Looking out across the bar, Nathan's vision swam a little before the scene set itself right. From the floor he could see a couple of upturned tables and several chairs that had been knocked over. A pair of legs were sticking out from under one of the tables, while across the bar another figure was slumped against the wall, unconscious and bleeding from his lip. Nathan reached up, grabbing onto the bar and hauling himself as a tankard flew in his direction. He watched it go by almost in slow motion before reaching for his badge in his coat. Not only was there no badge, there was no coat either. Looking round, he spotted it, hung by the door. The floor was still moving beneath him, but it was no match for his heightened elven senses. But they betrayed him, and he took another tumble as he let go of the bar. Lucky, really, as the barkeeper just made to grab him, to stop Nathan from leaving. He crumpled to the floor, avoiding a grasp and, apparently, a chair that crashed through a window to the front of the establishment, showering the outside with glass. Nathan stayed low, crawling towards the door as more voices were raised, calling after him, threatening to call the watch. The barkeep was shouting at the other patrons, too, as they screamed and threw tankards. Reaching the door, Nathan hauled himself to his feet, grabbing his coat and trying to awkwardly pull it on. Don't worry! Don't worry! He called out, spitting blood onto the ground and noticing he was only wearing one shoe. I am the watch. Hey, I'm Tom. And I'm Stuart. And we're from the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. We talk about all things connected to D&D lore. And we're on the Robots Radio Network. So if you're into Dungeons and Dragons or you're into lore, then come check us out. You can find us on any podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts. Roll more dice. That's the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. Nia sat back and chewed her finger before wiping her hand on her trousers. Sighing, she looked up at the scoreboard. All twelve Cratergrate players, six from each side, were kneeling at intervals across the oval court, 
The crowd, stuffed into the small stadium on the edge of the southern district, were as quiet as they could be. The hand on the game clock kept going. Surely this was longer than a minute. Nia flicks her eyes around the stadium. Many of the fans were watching the game clock, but some of them had their heads bowed. Nia copied them, staring at the ground until an old ticket stub caught her eye. The seconds ticked by. She looked to the seat at her right, empty, and saved for Yannir Scribe's season ticket. She'd thought about inviting Nathan or Balasar. Suddenly the stadium roared to life as the referee blew the whistle to bring the silence to an end. Bringing her head up, Nia watched the players get to their feet, stretching and jumping on the spot, loosening their wrists at the same time. The game got off to a lively start. The Southern District underminers may have been bottom of the league, but they were playing a hard offensive game. The scale hand warriors were equal with them on points. A win would see the Southern District underminers climb the table. For once, Nia was getting to see her team shine. The passing was quick, decisive, the shots on target, they were coming thick and fast. Surely it wouldn't be long before they scored. Nia cheered, banging her fist against the railing in front of her, as the Warriors' gatekeeper was forced into another split-second save. Impossibly, though, the Warriors had weathered the early storm from the underminers and were now pushing back. One pass became two, then three as the away team started to shift the home side around. The game clock ticked closer and closer to the end of the first ten-minute triplicate as the opposition came forward. A lithe, scale hand to Baxi ducked left and then right, looking for the pass that would open the defence up. She kept moving on the spot, keeping the disc out of the hands of the underminer's defence, who were moving in around her, being pulled out of position. A second to Baxi, running down the centre of the court, receiving a pass from her teammate, was under pressure. She darted left, swung right and tossed the disc hard across the face of the grate. The underminer's great creeper tried to follow the run, diving back in an effort to get in position, but the angle was too much for him. There was a clang of metal against metal, and the opposition stand roared. The underminer gratekeeper pulled off his helmet and threw it at the ground as the game clock ticked to zero. Nia slammed her hand against the railing in front of her as her team entered the first break, one behind. She chugged on her beer and half opened her mouth, leaning to her right for a second before catching herself. Looking around the stadium, she took in the somewhat muted atmosphere. Of course the home fans were annoyed that they'd gone into the break losing, but that happened a lot. Not many of them had bothered to move out of their seats to get refreshments, nodding half-heartedly as others around them voiced weary opinions on the game so far. Nia looked up at the away end. A similar mood seemed to have taken hold with only a small group of visiting supporters chanting or singing. Suddenly a folding seat clanged up to Nia's right, causing her head to snap for a moment. A figure, tall and willowy, with a large cowboy-style hat on, was moving towards her. He was familiar for sure, so Nia looked down at the ground before taking another glance up to see a tiefling face peering down at her. The figure had reached her and then sat down in Scribe's old seat. Ah, uh, is, is this seat taken? smiled Art Everstill, holding out his hand to Nia. I, I know we've not met, but uh, I saw you at the hustings. You were protecting uh, Rudik Gromelog. Nia furrowed her brow and then nodded in recognition. Right, right, uh, hello, Mr Everstill she replied, taking his hand and forcing a smile. Uh, are you enjoying the game? Art snorted and then shook his head, sitting back and putting one foot up on the railing in front of them. You're joking, right? I mean, <laughs> this is... Well, it's not even great, even by uh, underminer standards. Oh, and, and call me Art, please. He smiled, tugging the hat down a little. Nia nodded and smiled back. So you're, uh, undercover? She snorted. No, are you? Art gestured to the hat. 
I'm enjoying a little time off. Yeah, my office was getting a little bit hectic. As you can imagine, um, my thoughts are with you and your unit, of course. You've not had a good couple of weeks. Nia shrugged and looked onto the court. I've had worse. A moment passed between them as they both started speaking at once. So are you winning? Nia asked as Art asked. How's your friend? They smiled and rolled their eyes, Art motioning for Nia to continue. I, I was just asking, uh, do you think you're winning? Do you think you'll get elected? The players had started to file out onto the court again. The noise rose in the stadium, but not quite to the usual din. But it was something. Oh, I don't know. No one's being very open with their opinions right now. Art called over the din. Makes sense. But do you think you'll win? Play had restarted, the disc flying by them as the underminers tried to get back on top. I don't know. Uh, sometimes I do. It's hard. And then, yesterday, the disc was intercepted, and then intercepted again as the underminers paced it down the field, moving the Dylan till... Yes! Yes! They cried together, pumping their fists and standing up from their seats. The underminers had pulled one back in glorious fashion. Hey, would you like a drink? Nia looked at the empty mead flask, shrugged and nodded, offering back the empty flask. Art turned and motioned to someone at the end of their row of seats. Nia spotted an elf in black robes nod before walking over to another guard, who then took off in the direction of the refreshment stand. Turning around, she saw that the row of seats behind hers had been cleaned out for ten seats in either direction. Art saw her looking as the elf returned with two large sacks of ale. He handed them to Art, who handed one to Nia. Uh, cheers. Is that, uh, that because of you? She asked, nodding to the empty seats behind them. The game had restarted with both teams eager to get back in front. Uh, <laughs> my father more like, Art said over the crowd noise. Oh, um, uh, Lucas, Lucius, Eversteel. Yesterday, uh, really shook him. Nia nodded and cheered as the underminers won possession back. So you came to a crater great game the night after? She half laughed, looking at the ground. To show him and, and others they don't need to be scared or afraid. Of what? Moth, uh, Skinwalker? Uh, the military? Each other? Nia called back. Of anything. Politicians which should lead by example. Ah, uh, is that what you think they do? <laughs> lead by example? Nia swigged her drink again. You don't agree? The crowd erupted for the loudest point ever that night as the two players came together in a bad tackle, crumpling to the floor for a moment. No, I think we, I, I think the watch, I think that's the example that's set. Uh, I can see that, but you are uh, of the people, after all, but you're not elected. Of course we are. If people didn't want us here, we wouldn't be here. Near called back as play restarted. They watched the game for a couple of minutes, drinking more mead. Earning power or, or inheriting power is nothing compared to holding it, Art commented. The watch has a soft power, it's no right to rule. Coming from you? Nia had to laugh in spite of herself. If you want to get elected, then you need more soft power than anyone. Like if 30% of the people vote for Rurik and then another 30% vote for Halenga, you might win 40% of the vote. But more people wanted someone else. They looked around. Realising most people in their section of the stand had sat down again, leaving them standing up as the underminers shot from a distance, catching the opposing gatekeeper out and taking the lead. The crowd burst up once more, cheering. 
Art smiled and shook his head, sitting down, near followed suit. Oh, you should meet my father, he said with a smile that didn't quite reach his eyes. What's he like? Nia finished a mead sack, while Art paused, taking a swig from his drink. Oh, he's, he's brilliant. He's a brilliant businessman. Great dad, too. We had everything we needed growing up. Uh, everything we needed to succeed. I see, said Nia. There was a pause, another moment between them. I want to win, said Art suddenly. I want to win to, to show him, to show everyone. Look what a tiefling can do. Nia nodded and stretched. So you're running for your old man then? Is he proud? He will be. They all will be. Art smiled to himself and looked across the court. The second triplicate was over and the underminers were trooping back down the tunnel again. The game was almost over. Across the city, Balasar was walking through the streets of the Grand Palisade. The crowds were thinner than usual, even for a game night. He thought for a moment, and then remembered the Grand Palisade didn't actually have a crater great team. Scribe and Nia, together and separately, had tried to get him to follow a team, but Balasar just preferred to watch whoever was playing that day. He sighed, his ribs hurting a little. Last night, as he clawed his way through the crowds to get to Nathan, a few lively, hurt supporters had shown their disdain for the watch. The sun was dipping low in the sky, and light blue was turning to navy as he approached the steps of the large Tarthage library. Balasar paused, checking his pocket for a few pieces of gold before stepping up the white marble steps. Eighteen of them. Reaching the door, he made to push it open, but found it locked. He furrowed his brow, trying again. He sighed harder. He shook his head and tried the door another time, pushing his weight against it, but it didn't move. He stepped back three paces and ran at the door, slamming his body against it with a loud thud that echoed beyond it and into the library. It knocked the wind out of him, his ribs aching intensely. He swore and coughed, his chest tightening and forcing him to gasp for air for a moment. His head swum, his vision sparkling at the edges. Swaying on the spot, he felt bile rising up his throat. He leant against the library door, taking a few deep breaths and feeling sweat on his brow. Wiping it clean, he tugged his baton free and wrapped the handle three times against the wood, still breathing heavily. As he waited, Balasar pulled his hat off, fanning himself with it. After a few minutes, he heard a key scrape in the lock and the door opened inwards, a young elfin man stepping out. Oh, uh, hello, sorry, we're, we're closed for the night. I, I know you are. I have a bat on. I'm watch. I usually visit after hours. Is Catherine there? The man's face fell. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I, I didn't, I didn't know she, um, she never mentioned. I'm sorry to tell you, but Catherine died last night. The elf's face fell a little further. Balasar opening his mouth to respond, but nothing came out. She was in the Southern District and, um, she was shot. Yeah. She got shot. Balasar looked up, not meeting the boy's eyeline. He patted his pocket, raising a hand and wincing as his ribs ached again. I, I, I had no idea. I'm sorry. Uh, do, do you want to come inside? No, 
uh, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you for, for telling me. I'll be on my way now. Balasar fumbled into a pocket and pulled out some gold pieces, shoving them into the boy's chest. He instinctively grabbed them, a couple spilling out of his grip and onto the floor. Oh, um, just... Just take them. Please, just take them. The dragonborn turned and walked forward hurriedly, away from the boy, away from the library. Reaching the bottom of the steps, he looked back. The boy was still looking at him. Balasar raised a hand and turned right, out of sight. Stumbling across the Grand Palisade, he found an alleyway beside a building site. He hunched over, retching and coughing before reaching out to steady himself against the wall. Tears poured down his face as he stayed bent over. He remained that way for ten minutes before straightening up, wiping his mouth on a handkerchief, while the other hand wiped his eyes. He looked around, checking street signs, and then began walking, back towards the southern district, back towards the station. This has been Tales of Tarthage. This episode was written and edited by Samuel Bradley. The title music was Who Am I to Complain by Alec Michael Wilson. Extra sounds were provided by Zapsplat.com. This was a Starter Set Studio production. Do you like adventure? Yeah. Do you like laughing? Uh, yeah. Would you like to listen to a group of people you don't know play D&D and reference retro pop culture you vaguely remember? Um... Excellent. You're going to love Committee Quest. We play D&D in the world of Amarin. We use adventure modules and supplements made by people in the community. We also have a sweet synthwave backing track. Come and join us on our adventure. Volume 1 has been completed. Volume 2 coming the end of January. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello. Hi. Do you like bad movies? Do you find yourself defending bad movies, saying things like, well, the soundtrack was okay, or the costumes were pretty fun? From the previous hosts of It's Not That Bad Podcast, we bring you Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast, from Simone LaRue and Chad Ekovitz. Every week, we review two movies that did not do well critically, but we say, hey, there are some nice things about them. Maybe Rotten Tomatoes was wrong. Maybe they're all fools, and you should watch these movies regardless. We'll also talk about scenes that could have saved it, and we'll often refer to Simone's cats because they're amazing and adorable and we love them <laughs> and at the end of each review we will tell you whether we would watch this movie again or in what circumstances we would recommend you watch this movie so join us on July 9th for the first drop of our main episode and then two days later for our drop of our minisodes and on Robots Radio Podcast Network come see us on July 9th we love you so much already bye, bye.